0: Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. You're listening to the Momwell Podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome back Mina Dubin to the show. Mina is author of the book Mom Rage The Everyday Crisis of Modern Motherhood. She is a leading feminist voice on mom rage, and her writing has been featured in the New York Times, Oprah Daily, The Times Sunday Magazine, and so many more. In 2019, she wrote an article for New York Times Parenting called The Rage Moms Don't Talk About, sparking a large-scale discussion about maternal anger, a topic not many people were discussing at that time. While we've come a long way since then in terms of maternal mental health and the stigma around struggle in motherhood, mom rage continues to be a topic that people are uncomfortable talking about. But it's also something that is so common for moms to experience. We're often blindsided by anger in motherhood, and because it isn't talked about, we're often left with guilt and shame when we experience uncharacteristic anger. Minna's book discusses how modern motherhood sets the stage for maternal anger, placing unrelenting pressure and unreasonable expectations on moms. Minna previously appeared on episode 119 to discuss the societal foundation that leads to mom rage. Today, she's back to talk about how we can acknowledge that societal piece and still make changes on an individual level through curiosity and understanding our own triggers. We're discussing how societal messaging and the expectations we're given about motherhood lay the groundwork for maternal anger, how to parse out mom rage from a societal standpoint versus an individual day-to-day experience, how to reframe the image of an angry mom into something more productive why getting curious about our anger matters, and how to change our relationship with our anger. But before jumping in, let's hear our iTunes review of the week. It's titled, Tackles Big Subjects. I like this podcast because Erica tackles the big subjects and isn't afraid to talk about her experience or broach topics the media tends to avoid. Listening to all of her interviews of very relevant people across multiple fields has really helped me come to understand more about motherhood. I especially like the interview with Katherine Morgan Schaffler about perfectionism. Thanks so much for taking the time to leave this review, and I'm happy that that episode really resonated with you. It really changed my entire look on perfectionism as well. I appreciate that you see that we do take the difficult topics of motherhood head-on in a way that breaks down the walls of stigma so that we can have open and honest conversations with each other about motherhood. And that's exactly what we're doing today with this conversation about mom rage. It's so important for moms to know that we are not alone in our experience, and we are not failing if we are struggling. We don't need to feel ashamed for the things that we are going through, which is a part of just the human experience. So thank you again so much for that review, and I'd love for those of you listening, if there's something that has stood out to you, drop into Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave a review and let me know what's resonated. Now let's hear my conversation with Minna Dubin, the author of Mom Rage. We all envision ourselves as the perfect mom, nurturing, happy, and loving all the time. When reality hits and we find ourselves frustrated, resentful, and full of rage, That can lead us into a full-on shame spiral. The truth is, you don't have to be perfectly peaceful all the time to be a good mom. But we can help you understand and handle your rage and repair after the hard moments. Dr. Oshree Nareem, Psyched Mommy, and I have helped thousands of parents get to the root of their anger. As moms ourselves, we understand how the rage monster sneaks up in frustrating moments. As therapists, we also understand the tools and strategies you can use to prepare and prevent that from happening. That's why we set out to create All The Rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection. A course to give you everything you need to know about how to keep calm as a parent in the most difficult situations. When we say everything, we mean everything, from understanding what makes you more prone to anger how your thoughts influence your anger, ways to stop the outbursts before they happen, as well as what to do in the most triggering moments and how to prepare when you lose your cool. This course is made to be digestible and simple. We even include a downloadable workbook to help you work your way through it. We're confident that this course will change your life. So confident that we want you to buy it risk-free, meaning if you don't love it, you can get your money back. Nobody is perfect, but we want you to be the parent you want to be. Head to momwell.com slash rage to learn more. That's momwell.com slash rage. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at mom Wall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Minna, thank you so much for being with us again on the show. Congratulations on the release of your book, Mom Rage. Excited to have you with us. Thanks for joining.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be back here and talk to you.
0: When we first met, it was shortly after your viral article about Mom Rage. And I know that the book, Mom Rage, was in motion and you were working on it at that time. Catch me up. There's been a lot going on in your world. Like <laughs> mom reaches out into the world now. How has launch been? How's the reception been? how's how's your world? How are things going?
1: Yeah, it's so crazy to be on the other side of it. you know, writing the book is just, I think I found it really stressful. <laughs> yeah, I actually find, except for the couple of weeks, like right before the book launch when all of my anxieties came up, I have actually found the book launch to be, a much calmer experience like it's exciting but like exciting and joyful mostly for me and I think part of that is that I'm an extrovert so I like talking to people I like doing interviews and you know writing is such a solo experience mm-hmm. you know I have so much doubt like is this good can I write a book like am I going to be able to do this that like now that it's out I'm like Now we get to talk about it, Mm -hmm. you know, and that feels really good to actually talk about this thing I've been working on, like, in the privacy of my bedroom for a couple years.
0: It's so strange. As we're meeting today, this is the day after the cover reveal of my book. And I've been speaking with some friends. They're like, are you excited? I'm like, the book isn't out for, like, four months. It still feels so far away. And this has been like three years in the making. Like, when do I celebrate? I don't know. I'm sure I will at some point, but it's such a strange, isolated process at home on your own. It is a weird thing. I'm sure that uh, there will be a moment when it feels more real, but yes, I agree. It's a weird journey.
1: I just had that conversation with someone about when do you celebrate? Cause she's trying to, my friend is trying to get an agent and it's like, do you celebrate when you get the agent, when you get the book deal, when you send in your first draft, your last draft, when the actual book comes out, when the book tour is over, like there's so many moments. And, and I I think the answer is you celebrate all of them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I need to take that advice and I need to celebrate celebrate something because I keep waiting for these moments, but yes, I agree. It was interesting. We've been kind of bumping into each other in this like mom rage community and things because there aren't many people who talk about mom rage publicly or Mm -hmm. in research or from like an expertise perspective, there's a small community of us. And I don't know, there's just so many themes that have come up and conversations we've been a part of lately and things that I've read in Mom Rage that I got lots for us to talk about today. Lots of different reflections on the book and themes that have come up. One of the things that I loved that I will adopt and forever attribute to you was this concept of motherhood's PR team. I follow, I think her name is Molly McPherson on TikTok. She's a PR rep and she always breaks down the PR strategy for any celebrity who like has a PR crisis. So like, I don't know anyone who makes PR news and is like in a cluster F that week, she'll break down like the statement that they put out and like what the strategy is and what the oh PR moves are behind it and what they're up to and what they're trying to accomplish with the strategies. So yes. as soon as I saw you writing about motherhood's like PR team and the strategy, I went right to like, oh, like if motherhood had like a press team and if it had a statement and if it had a right to this place in my mind, And it just hits so hard for me, this concept of what messaging we are selling as a society about Mm -hmm. motherhood.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And like, maybe we can just sit on that for a moment and like carve out what some of those unspoken but not so unspoken messages are. Yeah. Yeah, it's
1: so funny to hear you talk about it. It makes me think about uh, what was that show that Carrie Washington was in where she was a fixer and she was dating the president? Scandal. Scandal, yes. which I loved. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah, yeah, but
1: I I love that you connect to the PR team metaphor that I used. You know, it feels very challenging like to talk about the societal impact that creates mom rage because all of the things that are happening societally that make motherhood such a fury inducing place are invisible. Yeah. And so part of my challenge in this book was to use metaphors to make visible all this invisible stuff. And so the mm-hmm. motherhood's PR team was this way to like create like almost an object for the invisible messaging that we get from everywhere, right? From from media, from our mothers, from celebrities, from the government, like from everywhere about motherhood. And I would say like, if motherhood's PR team had, you know, a tagline, it would be the best job a woman can have. Yes. Is to be a mother.
0: Okay. I can see it. Right. Like, I can see this archetype of a celebrity that is motherhood. Right. Right. This is like the Kim K, the whatever celebrity that has the image, that has the reputation, that has this presence in society that we know and love and adore attached to our, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, an article, a book, a book called Mom Rage comes out and is like, there are some cracks in that celebrity. Like there are some cracks in that person. Yeah. And actually behind the veil... There's some darkness. Yeah. Right? Totally. And then, and then I feel like the PR team, like Molly McPherson, this is where she would come in and be like, oh, look at the reaction that happens to, like, piece this image back together or the response that happens that, like... I don't know, wants to like put this pristine image back together of like, but no, like motherhood is really this thing that is perfect and beautiful that we should all love and want.
1: Yeah. And I feel like she would talk about the word that's being used in that tagline of motherhood is the best job a woman can have of the word job, right? Because it's a job then you don't actually need another job because that's your most important job. Mm -hmm. Never mind the Mm -hmm. fact that you don't get any of the perks that a job would actually give you, right? Mm -hmm. You don't get health insurance. You don't get paid. You don't get any sort of support whatsoever. So I feel like that word job is like, it has this double meaning of like, it's the most important thing. You don't have to have another job because this is where your real value is. But like secretly, you don't get anything that like a job would give you, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, that's a really bizarre part of the puzzle. I was just giving like a corporate talk about burnout the other day. And we were talking about how in the 1950s, only 25% of mothers worked outside of the home. And now 75% of mothers work outside of the home
1: right? and still carry all of the labor. And carry more labor. We do more labor in the home, more domestic labor and childcare than we used to do. Right. But 80% of us, I think now are working full-time jobs.
0: So we have two full-time jobs.
1: Basically. Right? Yes.
0: <laughs> and so it is mind-boggling to think, like, how in the progression of 50 to 75 years did we get to a place where, like, the water boiled so subtly that we are, like, carrying two full-time jobs and are not, like, flipping over tables about it? But I guess we kind of are because that's what we're talking about here today in that, like, there is an anger or a justifiable response to the injustice that is the pressure and unrealistic expectations of women and mothers, right? right? Like, how did we get here type of thing? And and you address that with this, like, wait a minute. Like, we were sold this thing, and now we get in it, and we aren't valued. There are no perks. Not being paid, not being valued. The society doesn't value my time or the work that I do, I got punked. Like, how did I get here? Right? (laughs) Like who, where's Ashton Kutcher in this like situation?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that you just used the word punked. Cause I think about it as coercion that women are coerced into motherhood because you are fed this vision of motherhood that doesn't actually exist.
0: Mm. And
1: so you, you jump in, you know, you're pressured from the time you're a, a kid that that's the thing you should want. Yeah. And that everything is towards that. Everything you're working towards is towards that. And then you get there and it's not at all what you expected. And so I think about it as coercion, but I think that punked <laughs> is a lot more like punk rock and like, I love it. I love punked.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just, there is a realization, I think that I came to postpartum. And we talk about this in the maternal mental health field as like the gap between the expectations you had of motherhood and the reality of the role and the gap there being often the despair that you will feel or or like how big that disparity is, is the distress that you will feel. Right. And I think that we are set up for like a big gap in a lot of ways. Like if we are sold this sort of image or we are sold that we are born for this and this is very natural and there's like a lot of, of things that we will be valued and we're meant for this or whatever. And then we get in it and we're not valued and there are a lot of things about it that are very unsupported and things. Yeah, I don't know. That gap is almost built into the system, right? Like there is despair sort of built into. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and when you get in and then it's like, it almost feels like falling. Like right. you're like in this like pit where you're like, what is happening? Like, and so it becomes this gaslighting experience where like everyone around you from, you know, your mother to the government to media to celebrities who like have their, you know, beautiful bodies back and are like, postpartum's not really a thing. Look at me. Yeah. You know, is telling you that like that your reality, like what you're experiencing is wrong and like not actually happening. Yeah. And so something must be wrong with you. Right. Like there's no other way to understand it except that, well, if everyone else is succeeding at motherhood and loving it and it's like this beautiful blessing for everyone else, like, well what's wrong with me? Like, that's what it feels like. Right,
0: exactly. (laughs) Yeah, like, I talk about it like, I feel like I am drowning. Like, I feel as though I am drowning in plain sight. And I look around at everyone else in motherhood in the same waters I'm in, same Mm -hmm. climate, same environment, and no one else appears to be drowning. But they are. (laughs) So it must just be me, right? Like, it's like that gaslighting that you're talking about where it's like, I must not be treading enough water. I must not be doing enough of the thing. Like it must be a me problem. As busy moms, the last thing we need is more on our to-do list. It's hard enough to remember who needs what packed for school, when the next doctor's appointment is, and when to register for events, let alone remembering to call and cancel subscriptions that drain your finances every month. That's why Rocket Money is so great. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. You can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you notice something that you don't want, Rocket Money can help you cancel it with a few taps. They even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com momwell. That's rocketmoney.com momwell. Feeding the family is one of the most all-consuming parts of The Invisible Load. Meal planning, shopping, trying to balance nutrition, finding the time to actually cook with little ones needing your focus and attention can be so stressful, but Factor makes it easy. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals take the mental load off your plate, providing pre-prepared, chef-crafted meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to select from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan plus veggie and more. You can even choose from over 55 nutrition packed add-ons, including snacks and smoothies. With Factor, there's no prep and no mess. The meals are 100% ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. That means no cooking and no cleanup, which is great for busy moms. You can choose the schedule that works for you and your family. Choosing 6 to 18 meals per week and pausing or rescheduling your deliveries is quick and easy. Reclaim some time and reduce your mental load with Factor. Head to factormeals.com momwell50 and use the code momwell50 to get 50% off. That's code momwell50 at factormeals.com momwell50 to get 50% off. One of the issues, this is a me thing, Minna, we got to sort it out. We got to talk it through a bit because I see there are like levels to this. There are rings to this because when we're talking about mom rage, we are talking about an experience of anger in motherhood. We are talking about an experience of anger towards feeling, you know, duped into our role. We're talking about frustration for being under supported. We are talking about the invisible load that we carry, and like sort of this injustice. We're also talking about irritability, frustration, and anger in our day-to-day parenthood, and maybe Mm -hmm. yelling and bursts of frustration and anger towards our child or our partner. So we've got a lot of things lumped into a definition of mom rage.
1: Yes. Yeah, there's a lot to parse out.
0: Exactly. And so one of the things for me as a clinician who is trained in working with individual psychology the first place that I go to when working with an individual is sort of this biopsychosocial model where I want to understand biologically what is happening, psychologically and mentally what is happening, and then socially what is happening. I almost see it as like rings or sort of influences of what is happening mm-hmm. within them and their body and around them. Yeah. And so when I take this sort of visualization with mom rage and with anger, Specifically, let's put a mom in the postpartum period kind of in this model. Okay. I see somebody biologically who is going through hormonal shifts and sleep deprivation Mm -hmm. and also like a role transition that might fall more into like the psychological and relationship transition, probably also mental, psychological. For sure. And then – also like entering into this like institution of motherhood lack of support system the policy pieces into that social psychosocial piece and so i think that it's important for me to understand these various pieces mm-hmm. because i form a treatment plan and i intervene as a clinician based on how i conceptualize what is going on with a client, right? Mm-hmm. And when we see mom rage as being at a societal level, which it is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: when someone presents to me as a client with anger, I can't change policy from my office, mm-hmm. right? Right. But I also am not going to pathologize like my client's justified anger. hmm so we got this messed up situation here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You see you see where you see where I'm going. Yeah.
1: Totally, but like just being a source of validation for the client mm-hmm. is so humongous because it is possible that the client is not getting validation for that anger anywhere else in their life. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. as your role as a clinician, like I would imagine that your validation like yes It is really understandable that you're angry. And actually, mothers everywhere are angry. It's just that no one's talking about it. Like, you're not alone. Like, that is so, so important. And it makes me think when I first went to see a psychologist, my son was around a year, and I had just finished weaning and was like going through like a major hormonal shift. All my mom rage was starting. And she had to get, you know, I was doing it through health insurance. And so she had to put in a code.
0: Yeah, they need to, to access the services. Yeah, yeah.
1: So the diagnosis that she gave me was adjustment disorder, which is used, you know, as like a BS code for the most part to be able to keep serving clients. Like, I know that she used it to help me, but it just felt so like on the nose that like I was being told that I was having a disorder around adjusting to motherhood. Mm. Even in the language of the clinician, it was still this is a you problem. You ha- mm. You're having trouble adjusting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think what it really missed is the lens. Like, I think that in my training, for example, this societal context was nowhere in sight. Yeah. It's not even considered or talked about. Right. And in these conversations and in my platform and in somebody who is now really taking an advocacy role, frankly. Like I went to school for psychology. I don't even I've retired as a therapist and I feel like I'm in advocacy work pretty much at this point. Yeah. And building this company. You know, I have been in this space and found my way to this sort of collaborative perspective. And I do think that you need to have sort of all of those rings. Like we have to sort of see the holistic biopsychosocial or whatever model that we want to sort of apply to it. Because I do think that there are times when we do need like medical interventions. And then I do think that there are times when I work with clients and I'm like, it is absolutely infuriating that nobody sees your invisible load. Like, that is the most invalidating experience to feel invisible in your own home, yeah. right? And that is the care that they need. Like, they just need to be seen, and that's all that they've needed. So I guess it falls somewhere in the in-between, and I think that it needs to include both perspectives. I don't know. I guess we can't have one without the other, but I I think like we can't have one and exclude the other. I don't know. We need both is kind of where I'm coming from. You
1: need both. And I think that it's really important that we talk about the day-to-day experience of mom rage, because even though like so much of this comes from societal structures and patriarchal setup around motherhood, we still need to not be like stomping our feet and slamming doors in our homes. You know what I mean? We still don't want to like have a home that's filled with an angry mother. Like right. we still have to deal with mom rage in the home, even if so much of mom rage is, you know, valid and understandable and warranted. Right. We still have to figure out how do we support the mother? How do we get her needs met? And how do we deal with the anger that is not harmful?
0: you know, like all those questions are real. How do I gain the tools? Like I had a conversation on the podcast with Dr. Wendy Davis, director of Postpartum Support International. And she was saying that women who had difficulty regulating anger before motherhood were better equipped to handle their anger in motherhood because they had already built their tool belt and their skills and they had these skills and tools when they entered motherhood. Mm -hmm. But women who entered into motherhood who had never had like an anger streak or like really faced anger in that way before Mm -hmm. were ill-equipped because they had not had to hone the skills in Mm -hmm. a way.
1: That's interesting.
0: And so there is a regulation skill, emotional like me being in tune with my body to know when I'm going to blow and I need to step out and get control of my body and take a moment and understand my triggers. And there's a a me working with my body skill building component here that I frankly did not have to flex before I became a mom because who was all up in my space 24 <laughs> seven? When was I sleep deprived to this degree and one of the things that you also talk about, which I so greatly appreciate, is the unrelenting nature that can be mothering a neurodivergent or special needs or medically fragile, et cetera, children. Mm-hmm. Because as a neurodivergent mother who also is mothering neurodivergent children myself, that was a whole other trial by fire for me personally Yeah, that I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this season of life. Like, this is wildly intense. Yeah. So I think there is also the tangible skill component that I know that I hadn't developed or flexed or didn't even think that I needed to or hadn't had to practice before being (laughs) tested to, like, hell and back, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the particular thing around parenting neurodivergent children is if they get easily dysregulated that as a mother you are learning how to stay regulated in the face of a child who is so intensely dysregulated so often yeah. and that work like even for me like I identify as someone who like had some anger streaks before I became a mother. I'm not one of those people. Most of the moms I talk to say, I never experienced this anger before I became a mother. And I don't think I can really say the same thing. And yet I have never experienced like being in charge of an easily dysregulated child in this way. And like constantly dealing with that dysregulation on top of all of the extra labor that it takes to get a neurodivergent child supported. Like, it just takes so many years yeah. to get them to realize that there's an issue, to get them diagnosed, and then to get them the support both in the medical system and in the schools. Like, it is just a very long road that is like, it's a full-time job in itself. Mm-hmm. And so there's this additional labor.
0: If your house is anything like mine, breakfast is the most frantic meal of the day. We all want to start the day off with a wholesome meal for our kids, but the time crunch makes it difficult. Magic Spoon helps relieve the morning rush with tasty cereals high in protein for a great start to the day. Magic Spoon offers a variety pack with four delicious flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And it has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs per serving. Each Magic Spoon cereal is made with wholesome ingredients and no artificial flavors or dyes. And since it's gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free, it's great for a variety of dietary needs. Go to magicspoon.com momwell to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code MOMWELL at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund you your money, no questions asked. Try a delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash momwell and use the code momwell to save $5. You're talking about having to stay regulated, when your child is dysregulated, you are regulating for two now. Right. So not only do I need to regulate myself and keep my own anger under control of my own frustration or my own being so depleted that I'm just like, you know, hairline triggered, you know, like, like on the edge of frustration. But now I also have to be a, a tether for you in your dysregulation because we are now in an hour and a half meltdown because we don't like the way our socks feel or however, yeah, right? Yeah, and so it is a it is a whole it is a whole other level of regulation needed, load to carry. I don't know what language we want to put to it, but to regulate for two to that degree that I do think adds to the depletion and the frustration and the anger and then encountering the system in the way that you said, where you've got to advocate and then feel probably like every time you have to interact with the medical system more, there is just more opportunity to be gaslit and hystericalized and be deemed the anxious mother who is whatever. Yep. So throw some gas lighting and dealing with the medical system in there and all of those complications, I think even more exploit that anger yeah. along the way when dealing with those complications.
1: Yeah. I think for me, I, I definitely experience like the triggers around the medical system of like a patriarch. I have all these patriarchy triggers, right? Yeah. So like, I'm like, you're not listening to me. You're not taking me seriously. You know, it's like all of this, like baggage from being raised as a woman. Yeah. But it's not even about me. Like this is about my kid. And so I'm like, I'm hyper intense about it. I'm like, you have to take care of him. (laughs) You know, like so like your mama bear comes out too. Like there's just so much happening all at once.
0: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Still like as a full grown, I went to like a pain appointment this week for like my migraines. And I was like It feels so disempowering to be like sitting in front of a medical professional. I was like so anxious, just like, are they going to believe me? Like, what do I have to say? Like, how, how much do I have to say to prove my point? Like all of these things. There's a lot of pieces here that contribute to this experience of mom rage that are all extremely valid reasons, right? Yes. But all of those reasons, like the PR
1: team, are totally invisible And so from the outside, you are just deemed a mom with an anger problem.
0: Right. Or like, can you imagine in the pandemic when you like drive by the field of all the moms just screaming in the field and you're thinking, what the hell is going on over there (laughs) without any context? Because it's all like invisible and you don't know what is happening, right? Yeah. You had mentioned something in the book. I can't remember the exact Pope, but talking about like the anger being valid and the anger could be used sort of towards change for lack of a better word or like we could also just be angry <laughs> it, it, like that's also okay too and and you know like give our anger a moment you know yeah and can we talk a little bit about this and sit here for a moment because I I had a really interesting conversation about perfectionism on the podcast a couple weeks back with Catherine Morgan Schaffler and she reframed perfectionism for me in like one foul swoop, how it's like gendered and we don't talk about men being perfectionist. And she like took me to task on perfectionism, which I greatly per- like appreciated. And she talked about how it's often framed in negative terms, but it can be, we can have healthy expressions of it and we can have unhealthy expressions of it. And when we mm-hmm. can channel perfectionism in healthy ways, it can be the greatest gift. It can be the greatest power harnessed really Mm -hmm. Um, but when rigid and when not checked it can be extremely destructive and in reading your book and in preparing for our conversation today I was like oh I feel that kind of rings true here though still I can see a righteous anger as being a very powerful motivator Mm -hmm. motivator for change I can also see it being a very destructive, you know, unhealthy thing that takes us down as an individual. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think it's both. I think it has the potential to be both. But I think that the world, like the PR team and the messages that we get tell us that a woman's anger is corrosive, always. Mm. That's the message, that an angry woman is nasty or a bad mother or a bitch, and we're not supposed to be angry. If we're angry, then we're bad mothers. And because I think that the anger is actually so valid, Mm -hmm. uh, it feels important. Like Part of me is pushing against that message of anger is a corrosive thing, because I do think that it has power in it. And not just power, but wisdom, right? Our anger has so much to tell us.
0: Telling us something, yeah. Right, I call it,
1: I, in the book, I call it, I say that it's, it's a weather vane pointing to where we need attention or healing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we live in productivity culture right now. And so there's this message that, like, it's okay if we're angry if we're using our anger for change. Mm-hmm. And mothers feel so uncomfortable and so ashamed of their anger that, like, while I think we do need so much change around, you know, the societal structures and how we support mothers and care for mothers and in the homes as well, I also think that mothers just very much for a moment need to be validated in their anger and that that validation is more important than we can possibly imagine and I want to offer mothers with this book my offering is basically like to validate that anger, to give you a moment to just be angry because Mm -hmm. nobody gives mothers a moment to just be angry. Mm -hmm. You don't have a moment for anything for you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So yes, I think that anger can become a, Corrosive thing. I don't think anyone who's experiencing mom rage is like, this is great for me. I want to you know? live in
0: this space. This is awesome. <laughs> this is me for this is my personality adopted for life. This is me. right. Go me, right.
1: but yeah. But I also don't want to turn it into another job. Yeah. Like we already have a lot to do. I don't want it to be like, how are you going to use your anger? Like make a list
0: of a to-do list about your anger. Like now you must be an advocate also or something. Exactly. Like like, there's some
1: middle ground. Like I feel like we get time to like be with our anger and learn about our anger and sit with it and get smart about it and like get smart about ourselves with that. Like we don't always have to move a thousand miles per hour to fix everything
0: Mm -hmm.
1: back to the perfectionism.
0: (laughs) It's a really important perspective. And I value the different vantage points on the topic because as somebody who goes into a solution-driven place, as somebody who works with clients on finding solutions and like working through skill-based items, I hop to these places, right? Mm -hmm. And so obviously sitting and validating and not minimizing And just knowing and giving ourselves permission is a great deal of what we do and what we talk about. Just the very acknowledging and validating of something is enough to alleviate our distress. Nothing further needed. No further skill or follow-up required often. Like that in itself is a skill to learn to validate ourselves and be like, that was a shitty day that in itself is a skill a gift to ourselves to say whoa like yuck <laughs> that day was just like bad you know right yeah
1: if we jump to fixing the rage then we're also part of that wave of rage is bad and anger is bad and we have to fix it and if we change our like our framework around thinking about anger as like oh what do you need? Like if, if we get curious about yeah. anger, like that switch is really important because the rage is actually never going to go away if we don't understand it and where it's coming from and what's underneath it. And, you know, even if some of what's underneath it is societal, right. Mm-hmm. And we can't fix that. Like we can still look at like, where are the pain points inside me and where are the places where I could use more support? Mm-hmm. And then we, you can move into, change and fixing and seeing, like, if you can meet your needs and get the support you need. But like, we need to get curious about it instead of trying to push it away. Mm -hmm. And I think the fix-it narrative feels a little like push it away.
0: I see. You see it as, like, skipping the step. Like, you see it as skipping the real getting to the root. It feels like it goes straight to the how-to instead of getting to the real heart of the issue type thing.
1: Instead of, like, pause Gotcha. Open open it up, get really curious and like super smart about your rage. Gotcha. Like, it skips that step. And I think that step's really important.
0: Yeah, because essentially this is a indicator. Like Osharina and I will often talk about this being like a this is a <laughs> your car dash, you know, like this is a sound alarm. This is an engine light. This is a, an alert saying pull over and pay yeah. attention. Yeah. Like pause check in with yourself check in with your body check in with your like your needs your like how are you hi body hi friend. like have i checked in with myself today have i even peed have i had a shower <laughs> like you know and that certainly doesn't take a script that doesn't take a skill or a mindfulness 54321 or any of those things that takes a checking in with myself and like you said becoming curious about what's going on with us which Let's be honest. We are so socially conditioned to completely bypass over that it is not something that we
1: do. That's exactly what I was going to say. Often. Right. And we learn in motherhood to be a person with no needs. Yeah. And so the work around mom rage is becoming a person with needs and being able to, because you are a person with needs. That's why you have the rage. And yeah. so it's about recognizing what the needs are, which Everything around all of our motherhood learning has been the opposite,
0: mm-hmm. because
1: in our society, a good mother is someone that puts everyone else's needs first.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So this is me going right to our skill-based stuff, Minna. <laughs> bear with me. So for those who are like, okay, I'm really relating to this conversation, and you know, maybe even really relating to the fact that they're feeling like their needs are met. Like, cause I can go through seasons where, you know, in that your undercurrent is like, like on edge and grumbly, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's an indicator that like we are on like depleted mode, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where do you think we start? Is it just with that becoming curious and each of those needs are going to be different for each person? Is that kind of where you think where we would start? Yeah,
1: I mean, I have, there's two chapters in the book that one is called Invite Your Rage to Tea. Love it. And one is called Rescue Your Partner from Enemy Territory. So there's Mm -hmm. two different pieces of it. So the Invite Your Rage to Tea part is about that reframing. And I talk about it as like looking at your rage as friend instead of enemy and like inviting it to your table to tea and asking it questions, being curious about it. What I do, because I'm a writer, but I think journaling can work for anyone, like, is to have a conversation with your rage in a way. And doesn't actually have to be out loud, because that makes people uncomfortable and feel (laughs) weird. But
0: (laughs) We do that in therapy all the time, like, taking this problem outside yourself, externalizing it. It can be very helpful.
1: Yeah, it can be really helpful. And asking it questions, which is really asking yourself questions. And, like, you are the smartest person about your rage. And so, you know, I have a list of questions in the book that you can ask your rage. But, like... Learning, like, okay, like, what are the locations where I rage? You know, is it always in the kitchen? Is it outside? Is it always at, like, you know, the playground in my bedroom? Uh, when's the last time I ate? When's the last time I had sex? When's the last time I exercised? When's the last time I saw my friends and took alone time? Like, ask, like trying to figure out, like, all of the things that are happening. What was the thing that my partner said right before I lost it? Mm-hmm. And then looking into, like, why did that particular thing trigger me? And then I also, it's a little bit hard to explain, but part of it is about figuring out your triggers. And I talk about how I do that in the book, but underneath our rage are triggers. And I've mentioned in this conversation that like many of my triggers are around patriarchy. So like, you know, my son like might not be willing to tie his shoes or something like that. And so it seems like I'm raging about shoes, but actually it's like something that happened that he said where I felt dismissed. And so my like woman- trigger around patriarchy stuff like blew up in that moment Mm -hmm. you know like there's stuff that's happening that we can figure out like okay these are my triggers and then the other thing about the partners is that before we rage we actually have all of these physical things that we do and when we rage we have them and everybody has them so mine are dropping my voice like an octave it drops down my hands jut out in front of me and I start gesticulating I start enunciating. My T's are like to a fine point. And it's very difficult for a partner to stop a rage because you are just like, you know, a raging tiger. And like, you know, if they say something
0: like... You will you like devour to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they can't Try be like... cry <laughs> me. Then you need to calm down. I will take your head off. Do not... Right. I, are you PMSing? Do you want to die today? Like, right,
1: exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. So... Like, for me and for some of the moms that I talk to, they have figured out a phrase or a code word that the partner can say that the mother has come up with for herself.
0: It's like a mutually agreed upon, yeah.
1: Right. Something that is not going to trigger her. And then... So, like for for me, it's are you in the yellow zone, which is like uh, the zones of regulation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the yellow zone is like you know, are you feeling like nervous, anxious, uh, you know, irritated, but you're not like blowing like, yet, like his you're not red
0: zone would be like yeah, that's yeah. the
1: red zone exactly. And we used to use that terminology with my son because it was a way to help him locate his emotions and how he was doing. And Mm -hmm. so it has like, it has like a sweet component for me. Are you in the yellow zone? And it's good modeling. Like my husband could say it in front of him and it's okay. Cause 'cause we all get in the yellow zone sometimes, right?
0: It's a good family (laughs) practice. It's good modeling. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. And then I have the scene where I talk about in the book where he says that to me and I like close my eyes yeah, and I ask myself, where does it hurt? And I like locate it immediately and I start sobbing because yes. underneath our rage is actual like pain. Yeah. Yeah, so the partner like besides you, your partner probably if you have a partner is probably the one who knows your rage the best. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is about bringing them into the process of like getting smarter about rage and not pushing them away because mm-hmm. they want to help, they just don't know how.
0: Mhm. Yeah, see it's so helpful and it's so empowering to have some of the language and skills and tools in a way that it doesn't feel like it's bypassing or invalidating you. Right. Uh-huh, Cause uh-huh. like the things that you're describing are like things that we teach in therapy, like the body scale and like all, like like a lot of therapeutic things that we teach. It's so interesting. And I think it's so much in the how and in finding whether it's a provider or a safe person
1: mm-hmm.
0: that can validate and see your experience of motherhood. Like, this is part of the reason why we've built Mom Well as a platform and that we only hire perinatal mental health professionals that are trained in the nuance of motherhood and have the context of the invisible mental load and all the mm-hmm. pieces because – a lot of clients who come to us have been to general providers and have been like, Oh, this is like what motherhood is. And like poo poo the, the experience of motherhood Mm -hmm. and stuff. So we're really focused on trying to like put some like standardization to like what these trainings and this experience working with a provider should look like during this time, Uh some standardization to it, I guess, if you will. And so I think that it's important And for those that are listening, like in finding a provider, if you feel like you need one, mom well or otherwise, to know the questions to ask if they have perinatal or maternal mental health training, and if they have understanding or like are a parent or just know some of the things that would give them context into being a safe person to have some of these conversations with, right? Because I think that finding the right person this is a big part of what you talk about and and why your first initial essay on this like blew open the door was people didn't know who the heck to talk to about their anger
1: well it's not safe to be an angry mother like it's not safe to project that loudly right still right even with like mom rage being a hashtag on Instagram like yeah. it's actually still taboo and it's still not safe really to talk about it and so I think you're right finding a provider or even just like, finding a friend.
0: A friend who is a safe, like a like-minded friend. Yeah. And
1: I think that was quite like, you're talking about like asking the questions of a provider to find out if they're going to be the right person for you. I think it's actually the same with finding a mom friend yeah. who like, are you going to be safe? Do you get it? Are you going to be able to support me? Like, it's still that like tentative testing of mothers around you who you're friends with, because some people are going to be like, I got you, girl. I know this is crazy. You know what I mean? And some are not. Exactly. And so you have to find the right support network.
0: Right. Can you be my person or are you going to meet me with toxic positivity? Yes. Right? Like, yes. <laughs> can you be my person or are you going to shame me in the situation? And i putting those little feelers out there to really find your person so that we were having this conversation the other day so that you can like feel just seen and heard and supported in a situation, especially on those hard, hard days.
1: Which is another way to say care, right? It's about like, yeah. are you going to take care of me?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you do that for so many people through your new book. I'm so excited for you, Minna. Oh, thank you. Mom Rage, The Everyday Crisis of Modern Day Motherhood. Where can people find it? Where can they find you online?
1: The book is anywhere you buy books. There's also an audiobook, which I narrate for moms who are like, I do not have time to read this book. Um, I highly recommend the audiobook as well. So yeah, you can get it anywhere. I am on Instagram. It's my name. It's Minna Dubin, M-I-N-N-A-D-U-B-I-N. And also my website is minadubin.com, which has basically everything <laughs> I've ever written about mom rage and lots of interviews that I've done. And yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll link all of that in the show notes. And as always, cheering you on with all your work. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for taking the time today.
1: Thanks so much for having me. This was great.
0: I've thought about my original conversation with Minna so many times, and I can already tell this episode isn't gonna be any different. She brings such a valuable perspective to the conversation that is vital to any discussion about motherhood struggles. It's a difficult balance to walk. How much do we assign mom rage to a societal issue? And how much do we talk about it from an individual mental health perspective? I've found myself flipping back and forth. And just as Minna and I discussed today, The truth is that it's absolutely both. It can't be separated out entirely. Mom rage is a symptom of so many issues. Mental health struggles, overwhelm and burnout, the invisible load, resentment, unmet emotional and physical needs, and mothering in a society that doesn't value and doesn't support us. It is all of these things. And there's so much value in validating our anger, just as Minna said. So I want you to know that if you are feeling overwhelmed, burnt out, or downright angry, that makes sense. Of course you do. You're carrying so much and you're under a lot of pressure and you're told good moms don't think that way, which is a common lie that we've been sold. Good moms have emotions. Good moms have needs. Good moms can't carry it all and constantly be and do more because we are human. So yes, your anger is absolutely valid. And at the same time, you can also still make change for yourself, for your needs and for your family. Not by quick fixes or scripts or by invalidating or minimizing your emotions, but by understanding your needs, tuning into your body, getting curious about your triggers and creating a plan of action that works for you. I love that Mina and I got to have this discussion. It raised so many great thoughts and questions and I can't wait to hear what you think. Send me a DM or take a moment to leave a review. I would love to dive deeper into mom rage and can't wait to hear what areas you want to explore. And if you're coping with mom rage and are ready to learn some skills for your toolbox, Psyched Mummy, Dr. Osharina, and I have created a course, All the Rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection to help you learn how to recognize anger in your body and create a plan for in and out of the moment. Head to momwell.com slash rage to learn more. That's momwell.com slash rage. I'll see you right back here. Same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by psyched mommy, Dr. Asherin Reem, my good friend, to expand more on this conversation about mom rage, who is responsible to make changes, and how do we learn to enjoy our motherhood experience more? You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com learningcenter to join the momwell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies head to momwell.com newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to mom well. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy.